Hello, Let's Talk Tribe listener. This is Matt Lyons, your usual host of Let's Talk Tribe. You may notice that um, usually when you listen to the podcast, you get this voice. It's pretty good. I, I would hope so. But you're going to notice this episode is a little worse in quality. Um, unfortunately, it's my fault. I, I had the wrong microphone selected. Didn't realize it until we were done recording. So instead of a nice, relatively professional microphone that I'm using now, you're going to be hearing a webcam stashed relatively far away from where I'm talking. I'm not sure why my computer decided that was the one it wanted to use, but it did. And I didn't want to dump the whole episode because we talked about a lot of good stuff. Merit still sounds fine. Um, and if you've listened before, you know what our quality usually is. And if this is your first time listening, just know that it's usually not this jarring between the two. Um, I just wanted to put this up front while I'm editing it now. I noticed it's it's a rough listen, but please give it a shot. Um, listen to what we have to say. It's a lot of good conversations inside. And also we talk about Merit eating a lot of hot dogs. So there's a lot going on in this episode. Uh, thanks for listening. You are listening to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. Swing and wide the deep left field. It is gone. It went deep right. Batista's going to wave goodbye. Start the fireworks show. This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 149. I'm your host, Matt Lyons, and in this week's episode, we'll discuss some loot balls and the week's worth of games. Talk about Plezak and Clevenger and the fallout from those two being options to Eastlake. Talk about Francisco Lindor's struggles and potential rebound after the game today in Detroit. Talk about Fran Mil Reyes also being back and just murdering baseball. We'll talk about Carlos Santana drawing a bunch of walks and everybody being afraid to pitch to him. And of course, we'll answer your questions. Joining me for all that and more is Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how you doing? Great. It's, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, great. Fantastic. Thanks for asking. Appreciate it. It's good. It's going great. Yeah, it's yeah, nice yeah. to watch uh, our boyfriend Mo race. It was. Whew. It's because we meatballed him there. It's the meatball effect. We talk about him in the meatball section. I just he murders baseballs. What a tremendous human being <laughs> <laughs> to make that park seem so small. I mean, and effortlessly too. He like the, effortlessly. it wasn't a, an, an exertion of a swing where he hit a ball 114 miles an hour in 7,000 feet. He just flicked it out there. And it just... That first home run he hit on Sunday was so stupid. Like, I mean, the other two that hit dead center, basically, that would have killed a man if it struck them or dented that car sitting up on top of that. But that opposite field one, it's just like he could do that all, all day. I mean, you know, I just, that, 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 that stupid ass Joey Gallo. Jim Tomey, just dummy power is the best kind of power there is. Gigantic man hit. I hit. I wrote about it in that article I wrote a couple weeks ago, last week, whenever. Um, yeah, just just big strong man hitting the baseball a quarter mile. That's the that's the that's baseball, man. That's the reason people love Babe Ruth, and that's why it became America's most beloved sport for a long time. So he rules. I love him, and he is awesome. Save and woo, damn. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's funny because you look at like. Um... Matt Slickting's recap today, and the, the main image, it looks like a, a Little League coach congratulating his players, because it's a picture of Fran Mill with Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez, and he's good just job, so boys. big. <laughs> he's so huge. <laughs> it's just, he's just so gigantic. And I don't want to get a, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but uh, Ty Van Berkeley, he opted out, what was that, um, August 7th, I think it was. Uh, Fran Mill Reyes since then, he's 13 for 28, two doubles, four home runs, um, Clearly, that's that. This is how things work. So one person opt outs, and then he's fixed, and that means that Ben Berkeley was a problem. Totally right. You know, that's that's analytics for you, right there. You that's know, hashtag he, analytics. He, he understood that he just it was one of those things where he just he George Costanza did it. You know, he just started doing the opposite of everything he'd been doing, including again that home run he hit, that first home run he hit on Sunday, high fastball. 
let's talk about this high fastball out of the zone, like at his chest, and he just got around on it and just bonked it, you know, to the deep into the bleachers. And I loved it, and I want more of this from him. Yeah, I just went crushing baseball. I mean, he's going the opposite way. He's swinging. The big one was that that you wrote about was just the the watching strike threes go by. And I didn't look up the numbers, but I assume he's doing that a lot less now. Um, which I, I mean, I don't think it's a time member if they're opting out, but it's just since that time that it happened is when he just took off basically. And part of it is just he's he's aggressive now. And I think a lot of that is just feeling comfortable. Whether I think a lot of batters came into the season they haven't seen live pitching in forever. I mean, a pitcher can just throw in a mattress all he wants and be pretty warmed up but if you're a batter and you haven't seen a lot of pitching you're going to be uncomfortable and i think we knew fred mel reyes when he came over from the padres he's a guy who relies on comfort a lot and maybe just took a little bit for him to get comfortable and want to be crushing baseballs and um i think if we're gonna have a smile off between him and francisco Lindor, it's gonna be close fred mel reyes's smile is the most contagious thing in the world because it is he's just such a big dude with a he reminds me of shack too because he's just so giant with a huge smile and yeah (laughs) no i was thinking about that too because like we were like everyone. The season being so short as it is, everything is magnified. I mean, I mean, besides uh, Reyes, it was obviously all this talk around Lindor just struggling as he has for the last however long. Um, in the grand scheme of things, it's not really that long of a period of time. Like for a normal season, it's just we don't have time for this. And so, I mean, if he can get hot the way he can get hot for like two or three weeks, he means you're going to win like every single game. Uh, this this next. Like this series that they just swept, and then the rest of this week and into next weekend, I, I, if they don't win all but one or two, I guess I I considered a failure of a stretch of games because these are the ones they need to really clean up on. But like, it, it, it sucks to have to worry about Francisco Lindor when if this were a normal season, it's just like, I mean, he'll get going. It's not, it's not a big deal, you know. He'll have a, he'll have a few games like he had on Sunday, where he goes what three for four, three for five, or whatever, and all of a sudden he's he's back being the best shortstop in baseball in, in every single way that you can be the best at it. So. Yeah. It was so weird watching him struggle because there was, it was just such a targeted strike against Lindor with those sliders down and in. And even like Detroit on Saturday, they had no plan against him. If you look at his pitch chart, they just threw junk and knew he wouldn't hit it and he didn't hit it. <laughs> and he stranded like six runners alone in that game, which I mean, it just shows you like when he's hitting, if he can, he's got players in front of him that can get on base. But if he's struggling then he's not, that's six runs the Indians could have had and just buried the Tigers, but instead it was a 3-0 game where they barely won because Shane Bieber's amazing. But, I mean, the offense just goes where he goes a lot of the time. Just He comes up and it just feels like so many clutch situations that he hasn't done great with them this year, which isn't something I don't think you you do anything with him in the lineup or whatever, but it's it's nice that he's, he's rebounding finally, maybe. Well, and that's the thing I was thinking about, too, is like, Normally, a player like this is struggling. You give him a day off, right, to just kind of like relax, take a, you know, take a step back, and just kind of figure it out. But you just can't do that now. Like, no one, like, no stars are taking a day off. You know, they're they're playing all sixty games because it's a sprint. You just ha- you have to be out there and going a hundred percent of the time. So, like, it's just figure it out on the field. There's no time or, I mean, outside of catchers, basically, I don't. And and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this has already happened. I don't even remember. But I remember we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Where like when the Indians were up big, and the pitching was really cruising, like they were pulling got they were pulling starters out after the, like the seventh inning to you know shorten their day up a little bit. But I just I don't think this is the time we, this is the, the form of year rather where uh, you're going to see guys not you know rather just taking days off or managers being able to sit them. So that's why it sucks so much. Is normally you, he'd be able to take a step back, sit down, spend an afternoon studying what's wrong with him, thinking about it. 
figuring out and coming up out the next day and going, you know, four for five or whatever. So he can't do that. So he just has to, we have to watch the struggle in real time. And that is, you know, it's stressful because every game carries so much weight. Um, again, you know, they, the, the central is turning into what it was the last several years, a two horse race. Um, but you know, I don't know. Again, so, so many things can swing on the, with a single ball at this point. so Yeah, and we watched him sort of fix it on the field on Sunday. I, I guess you can part of partially say it's because he faced the Tigers and it's bad pitching, but that's the he thing also too. struggled against bad pitching, though, in this this season. Like, if he doesn't... It's one of those things that's always... If, if you're a major leaguer, you're supposed to dominate the bad teams. And if you don't, everybody shits on you for it. If you do, everybody says, oh, it doesn't matter who cares. But I think that applies more to teams. I think for players, you can usually look at, like, the, he just faced a bad pitcher. But also... I mean, the Tigers on Sunday, they're bad pitchers, but they attack them the way everybody else has, with sliders down and in. One of them he took and he turned. Uh, I think that was one of his doubles that he um, that he hit, and he also crushed another ball. So he took a changeup low, hit that for a double. So, I mean, he's hitting the balls that they've been attacking him with. It wasn't like there was a lot of mislocations. Um, he, he faced a lot of good pitches on Sunday, just not great pitchers. But I, I think that's just part of him learning on the field. That was a day that a lot of people were saying that he should be taking off just because like you said, in a normal season, you just let him sit down, especially on a Sunday where it's a getaway day and you get two free games or two free days for him to sit down and relax. But um, yeah, he just had to learn on the field. Yeah. Although I guess you can say that the Tigers play against them is basically like sitting out because we're going on 20 in a row now. Um, yeah, goddamn. Uh, I, I will say too, and this is such a ridiculous thing to think and to say, but it's honestly true because it's the type of player that I know we were talking about beforehand where the, a team like the White Sox is once again turning into the way they've always been, where it's just stars and scrubs. But having Tyler Naquin back, I think, has had a bigger impact on the lineup than we like than we want to think about, because he's not great. We're always going to be pissed about, because he has great bat-to-ball ability, and he, he, like, you look at his like exit velocity numbers and stuff like that, and they're always pretty good. But he just hits the ball on the damn ground so much, you just shift on him, and he's cooked half the time. But then, you know, he'll... Last a few line drives, and then, you know, Domingo Santana, he heats up. I mean, the lineup is starting to stretch out a little bit. And I think just having Tyler Naquin has been – it's bizarre to think that's a big do, uh, dose of positivity. But the outfield has been so bad that having him back – I like – you know, I mean, it's hard to hate Tyler Naquin. He had, he had, I think, my favorite rookie campaign of any Indian in a long time um, just because how cool that whole thing was. But, uh, no, it's, it's nice to have him back and – it helps. It helps. You know what I mean? Like having a league average bat in the outfield is a blessing at this point. So it, it's still wild how good his rookie campaign was. He, he oh my 26, god, six three seventy two five fourteen and fourteen. Oh my he's god, never come close to that again. Oh god, I feel no. like he's he's ridden that season too, the rest of his career at this point, and he's going to do it he's, for a while. I think. I think last year he was like, and I man like said numbers. this a few times. I think he was starting to put it together. Um, I, I think there was a positive trend going there. I, th- I think he was starting to, he's the kind of guy who I think was going to end up being a late bloomer just because of his, his basic skill set lended itself to such a thing. Um, where getting that, you know, that, that 27, 28, 29 year old kind of grown man strength would, would turn you into like a, a poor man's Michael Brantley perhaps would be a good explanation of it. Um, but he got hurt, obviously he's, he gets hurt a lot. So that just sucks. Uh, he's, I don't know. I think he's one of the more athletic guys on the team, and he again, he's just he's an effective player who is the kind of guy you forget about um, because he doesn't do anything amazing. He'll have a couple good moments, and he helps the lineup not be just a pit of despair after five, basically. <laughs> well, I, I think we forget about him a lot, but he also just has a group of fans that will 
Well, player he's for a, him to be in the lineup every single day until he's, he's kind in of a, the I mean, he's a, he's a handsome man. You know, he's got a good, <laughs> he's got a nice chin. He's got a nice smile. So, you know, I mean. He goes snarf, snarf. Like, you know, is yeah. that yeah, he's just, I mean, whatever. I'm not going to sit he's here and do He's a big old snarfy fellow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we can't hate the guy. I mean, whatever. You know, he's got, again, yeah, like you said, he's got his fans. And I think he's earned himself a weird little kind of like. Oh, for sure. Yeah, he's earned it. Just yeah. a weird little crew who's like, hell yeah, he's the best. Or, he's, he's all right, you know. The Naquin heads, that's what they are. It's the, it's the diehard Naquin fans. We're all Naquin heads. Yeah, he was dead time. average last year. But yeah, again, a guy who hits 288, 325, 467. If they could have one or two more of those, this team it would be, I was tweeting about it today during the game, they'd be incredible. They'd be absolutely incredible if they just had two more guys who were league average bets. They would, they'd. They'd have five more wins, probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Matt Schlitte looked at that. It was if they had a, a league average offense, like Pythag has them as one of the best teams if they had a league average offense. No, it'd be um, insane. Which is like that's the thing. Like, you give them like there's so many games. How many games have we watched where it's just like, damn, this sucks that they're down two to nothing. This game is over. <laughs> yes, shut it down. Minutes. See you later. All right. Yeah. So you've tried to distract me with other topics, but you're not going to get around the sound effect, man. It's time. Meatballs. It's time for meatballs. We're so you, uh, we, just, <laughs> we serve up meatballs over the plate. Fun little stats for you to hit out of the park. I still don't know the theme on this all the way, but I've made the sound. We're sticking with it. Um, yeah, we, we just deep dive into things that happened in the last so long with the Indians. And, of course, the one I, I sort of mentioned a little bit ago is that the, the Cleveland Indians have absolutely dominated the Detroit Tigers um, back to last year. Even today on Sunday, it, it was cathartic to see Miguel Cabrera. He, he ran right through a stop sign at third base. Was thrown out. If it was anybody else, it would have been by a mile. But it was Lionel De Shields' noodle arm, and it was he barely got him. But it was in, in plenty of time Dude, to get him out. But that single of his, it's like, what year is it? Twenty thirteen? <laughs> no, what's happening? Because yeah, I, mean, I, I don't feel bad at all for the Tigers, for Cabrera, anybody, because of how much misery they put the Indians they, through for so many years. They beat um, the so piss out of them for forever. I'm, it felt like <laughs> I am more than happy to see it now. I think it it's still more painful for us back then because we. Might have had thoughts we were good. The Tigers realize they're bad. Their fans realize they're bad. They don't care that they've lost 20 in a row. But um, to this point, the last time the Indians lost to the Tigers was April 10th. Uh, cover your ears. The lineup consisted of Max Moroff, Leonis Martin, Eric Stametz, and Jake Bowers. Four out of the front nine batters in the lineup were those guys. That is not good. Um, that was a game where Trevor Bowers struck out seven and still lost. Nick Whitgren struck out all four batters he faced, and the Indians lost four to one. So even then, it wasn't like a blowout or anything. It was a terrible offense. But um, since that game on April 10th from uh, April 11th onwards, the Indians have outscored the Tigers 128 to 43. Uh, <laughs> they've shut up the Tigers. That was, I was done there. I was like, all right, this is my meatball. Um, they shut up the Tigers six times. The Indians have scored double digits at least, uh, three times and helped the Tigers with three or fewer runs in 15 out of the 20 games in that span. So it, it hasn't even been like, oh, a game here or there could have gone the other way. It's been absolute decimation every single time out. Um, Carlos Santana has been good, really good against them since the, since this thing began. Um, in 2019 alone, which is the vast majority of the games, he was 315, 400, 493 against Detroit, which I would assume this year he's probably walking even more just because that's what he does. But I just grabbed some numbers off cleveland.com because I can't get an easy way to look at team-by-team team stats. Um, so I went by them. But it, it's just ridiculous. The Indians are averaging six and a half games over that span. They have The run differential is plus 80. It's, it's, it's just stupid, and it's great. Um, the running and scoring position. So as bad as the Indians have been seemingly in the last, I don't know, decade of hitting with clutch, um, when they're supposed to, they have a 947 OPS with runners and scoring position against the Tigers. So it's something about this team. I don't know if there's just 
I'm sure it's coincidentally they just demolish these people, but maybe there's somebody. I don't know who would have been here long enough. I, I Actually, nobody at this point. Jason Kittness would have been here when the Indians were bad, but maybe he transferred some of that hate over in his last year, and now everybody just wants to crush them because Francisco Lindor hits really well against them too. Um, everybody does. It's just I love crushing the Tigers so much. I remember just so many times Miguel Cabrera, um, you watching Justin Verlander pitch against him was always miserable. So it, it's a good time to what to play the Tigers. I want to do it every week. I want to do it every day. They do it again next week. They can go for the record for the most um, teams over or most wins over one team, which I lost track of it. But it is somebody with the Orioles was involved. Oh, okay, so it was twenty three. I think is the number. Like back in like the eighties or something like that. Or the yeah, oh no, the, the Orioles one is the the Indians old. Franchise okay. record, but yeah, it's it's like twenty three or something like that. They they I know they can pass it in their next upcoming series, whatever the number is, um, which I I really hope they do because that'll be fun. Because fuck the Tigers, basically. So. I mean, <laughs> they just you that's know, the majority like, of my meatball. Because that's the thing too, like like when they were like when the Tigers were really good in that twenty third like twenty twelve to twenty fourteen twenty fifteen when they were going you know they were in the playoffs every year they, they were the class of the Central. And the, and the Indians were like on the rise. Is I think that's the difference here. Is the Indians were on the rise and they were like the young guys were coming up and starting to look good and hit and stuff like that. But then like Tigers would just show up in late April or something like that, or late August rather, and just like beat the crap out of them and just end the season. You're like, you're like ah, damn, there it goes again. <laughs> I mean, it's basically swapped to where the Indians and White Sox are right now. It's, it's eerily identical to where they were. I think you're right. No, I mean that, that, that would make, that would actually, I mean, that would make perfect sense. If, if, if the twins didn't exist, that would be the perfect. That oh, would be the perfect amalgam to that. But it's just the twins just showed up and were like, actually, we're really good now. And you're like, damn the twins! <laughs> I mean, the twins always do that. Though. They just show up and they're like, we're good now. Look at us. And then they beat we'll the Yankees it. in the playoffs. And get yeah, we're going to make it to the divisional series. Who are we pushing? Yeah, so you know, it's, it's perfect. Yeah, it's you know, it rhymes. You know, it's like a it's yeah. like a poem. It's like you know, poetry. It's just, <laughs> I knew where you're going with that. I've seen the George Lucas. <laughs> I've seen a Star War or two, man. I've seen the Star War. Oh, man. Right, what's, your, uh, what's your meatball? Okay. We're going to talk about Adam Plutko tonight. That's what we're going to oh, do. Yes. Finally. <laughs> Did you know that Adam Plutko has the eighth highest spin rate on his curveball in all of baseball? It's a little nuts. I knew he had a good spin rate, but not that high. The eighth highest. And so, anyway, I did a little, just looking, um, you know, he pitched twice in the last week since we last talked. I don't remember what we talked last week, to be honest with you. Uh, we might have skipped that week. Anyway. Um, but <laughs> no, he was we pressed, last week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we were pressed, in, he was pressed into duty. Uh, the reason I, I found this out, I was doing a little research into the general spin rates across the Indians, which, by the way, they're absurd. I, it's it's what they're doing. Uh, Phil Mayton has the most movement on his cutter and the sixth highest spin rate on his own cutter. And also his curveball is insane. Um, look for that later, listeners. An article about Phil Maton or Madden. I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. Uh, this week, maybe. Um, probably this week. I should probably write something. Um, anyway, Adam Pluko has a great curveball. And this week he threw a grand total of 11 of them between pitching against the Tigers and the Cubs. Uh, over those two games, he pitched 6.2 innings, I believe. Yeah, 6.2 innings, gave up 10 hits. Three or four earned runs, about what you expected out of Adam Plutko. You know, not great, not bad, just whatever. Um, but it's just, he uh, gave a one hit over those couple games, I believe. Two hits uh, on a curveball. One or two hits, a couple hits, bunch of balls, one swinging strike. Which I think tells a story that if you don't have anything else, having an incredibly high spin rate on a ball doesn't do anything. On top of that, 
Matt, I discovered that though he has this incredibly high spin rate, he actually has a slightly below average vertical movement on his curveball. Uh, in fact, he has never had great movement on his curveball, uh, despite having, again, a very high spin rate compared to average. Which, again, you know, I, I like to think about spin rate as being a thing people look for. People talk about Trevor Bauer having all these absurd numbers on his on his spin rate ac- across his entire uh, arsenal now. I think he's, he's top like 10 with, with his cutter, his curveball, his fastball. He's pr- definitely not using pine tar. Um, and yet... Adam Luco is just not effective, even though he's doing it. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, useful spin versus spin is something. But on top of that, pitches that work besides the ball that spins a lot is um, also important. Because nothing else he throws is anything more than the league average as far as spin rate goes. But I just thought that was neat, interesting, and weird that he has this incredibly high spin rate. A thing that people talk about a lot. He is who he is. He's basically, you know, Josh Tomlin Mark II. So, there you go. What do you think of that? That's cool. That's It's a weird... Um... It's a weird, what is the word I'm looking for here? The fact, like you said, the fact that he has such a high spin rate, but it does nothing for him. It does nothing. Which I think exactly. is, that's always been like the the, um, the right. warning label everybody puts up when they talk about spin rates. Like, just spinning the ball is not good. You've got to be you able don't to want, do something yeah, like, with it. But. You don't want that gyroscopic spin where it's just like, you know, they, they always talk about like the cement mixer slider. You know, the backup slider is the, is the slider that's spinning and doing nothing. It's just sitting there and saying, hey, hit me real hard, huh? Because like, uh, you know, like... like you look at Pluko and this year, I think he's like a, this is even before today's numbers come in. He gave up a hit on four pitches against the Tigers on that curveball. Uh, but he has like a 300 average against it with an, I think it's 500 with an expected batting average of 300 or something like that. Last year it was like 191 on his curveball. So that's something. But yeah, 191 one, um, with a 362 slugging percentage. So it was worth it. get that high. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say. I mean, it's, it's he's throwing it and it spins a lot, like I said, but it's it's, it's it seems like an ineffective ish pitch. He's just not again. You know, he's getting a whiff rate of like twenty two percent on it. Um, not what you want out of a huge put away pitch. You look at guys like, for instance, James James Karinchek, uh His curveball has a much lower spin rate, uh, but a whiff rate of forty seven percent. So I just. You know, it's it's all about not just spin, but useful spin, I suppose. And even in Karen Jack's case, a lot of that I got to imagine is his wonky ass release point that he has, and the fact that he'll throw it ninety four, ninety five up in the zone and then drop a curveball is a little alarming when Adapolko can't quite do that. I just exactly. wonder if you get, so. I wonder if you get the highest spin rate, um, if you could do it without doing it on purpose. <laughs> like it's just like the curveball he happens to throw spins a lot, like. Because I'd assume the difference between getting a ton of spin and a little spin in the grand scheme of things is not a huge difference when you're. It's that's the thing. Like, I mean, we it's talk the thing, about like, he might just accidentally be throwing it just right that it spins a bunch, but he's not utilizing it perfectly. You know, it's it's spinning twenty nine hundred times a minute, but it's only moving for a second or whatever. Yeah. You know, <laughs> right? So it's only actually spinning like uh, whatever number of times. You know what I mean? Like, um, but I, I think that's why having a higher one it has such an impact is that every extra spin does mean it's affecting the air around it more a little bit, but. But yeah, again, so it's just weird how like he has this incredibly high spin rate uh, up there with like guys like Sonny Gray and again Trevor Bauer and guys like that. But the impact is just simply not there, both in terms of it getting results, but also just in terms of its own movement. I just thought that was interesting. Again, Adam Plutko, a you know a yeoman, a warrior for the team, um, pressed into duty when he shouldn't have had to be. But I just thought that was an interesting thing that I just kind of came across because the Indians again, I'm just discovering time again these guys that they pull out of their ass are just wildly high like, like I, I get mad all the time when they don't like um 
Like everyone else seems to have guys who like half their bullpen throws 98. I'm watching the goddamn Tigers today, and it's like everyone's popping 95, 96. And then like yesterday, Shane Bieber's hitting 95. Nick Whitgren comes in and is throwing slower than him. And yet, you know, I, I'm just like, where are the other ones who throw hard? I did he just not care about velocity? And I think they don't care about velocity, honestly, is what it is. So I don't know. Um, yeah, the reason Adam Plutko is, is thrust into duty, obviously, is because the Indians are without um, two of the starting pitchers right now because they're both dumb uh, last week <laughs> in Chicago. Uh, I believe we talked about it. Was it last? Did it happen last? All the no, time runs we didn't talk about it. It happened no, it after we were done recording. Yeah. Oh, it did. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's we, we screwed up everything. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because we came out. It was after, I think after... We talked about it before even the suspension. Because we recorded then, early. Yeah, we recorded, like, uh, to pull back the curtain list, we, pulled, we recorded, like, right after the game at, like, 4.30 or something like that. And it came out, like, 5.30 or whatever. Then they made, um, what's his name, drive back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, at that point, that was just, like, a fun little ha-ha. He's just, uh, exactly. Yeah, he's like, up. He just gets to drive back. We yeah. all love him. What an honor. These kids, you know, and these then, kids today. Moron. <laughs> and then it came out that Mike Clevenger um, just apparently saw Zach Plezak getting punished, didn't say anything. Um, but it came out, he was with the, with Plezak out at the hotel in Chicago, but then he actually flew back with the team. He was in meetings. Um, he was a, presumably within arm blank distance of Carlos Carrasco, who just survived cancer. He was, um, I mean, like Tito was out with him, with his own medical stuff. Uh, Ty Van Berkeley just opted out. So there's a lot of people who are concerned about this thing. And Clevenger just decided to go out with Plezak and then, um, not tell anybody and not go through the right protocols to go home in his own car. So at that at that point of the the timeline we're going on here, it's everybody's mad at Clevenger. I think most people, I would assume, just forgot or didn't care about Plezak. I think he we're upset yeah, with a young pitch, a young player. Right, but yeah. it, you know, I mean, he he, you know, he in a sense paid some of his dues in having yeah, to drive I, all the way back, and you know, I mean, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I think it, at at the time it was just he messed up, and we we'd assume that maybe he just. He was just a, a kid who just went out and did something he wasn't supposed to. And then the, the lying was the biggest thing for Clevenger, which seemed almost unforgivable to me. I think um, Adam Pluko seemed really upset after his start when he was covering for Clevenger. Um, Francisco Lindor had some words to say. Even Tito said some stuff to say. And then um, when it seemed like it was just kind of fading away, like we all realized we all hated Clevenger at that point. So I please act, you're going to forgive him. And then please act comes out with a buck wild ass Instagram video where he's driving in a car without a seatbelt. Um, recording on his phone, saying how the media overblows everything and he wasn't being that dangerous. Um, it was just bizarre. It was dumb. It was. Um, he's eventually deleted at one point, um, but he, he just went on and on about how the media is making it so much worse. What he did wasn't that bad. He was following all the CDC guidelines, which, by the way, don't matter in this case because you're supposed to be following MLBs, which are way stricter on purpose. <laughs> uh, the CDC's guidelines are to guided entire nation of people who are doing all kinds of things. You have your employer who's giving you very specific instructions to continue to be paid millions of dollars and not infect everybody with a deadly disease. But he ignored all that and went out and said he was still, um, he was still social distancing. And I think the, the biggest thing with him besides the, the pure stupidity of recording a video while you're driving to say that people overblow how dangerous you're being is that he broke the rule. Like just apologize for it. It doesn't matter if you, Everybody was in hazmat suits and you were 20 feet away and then you got doused in bleach after the meeting. You broke the rule. Like, just say, I'm sorry for going out. I understand it was wrong. He basically did none of that. He put it in the text under the Instagram post that he is going to be better going forward about it or whatever. But it was just so impersonal and the whole thing between the both of them was just bad. And then at one point, um, so 
before they even got an option to East Lake, they both drove to Detroit independently. Uh, it didn't sound like that was this was a planned meeting with the team or anything. They just drove up and talked to the team. And after everybody got to talk to them, they decided to option them, which tells you about how good that meeting went. So where we stand now is they're both in East Lake optioned. They're not receiving um, service time because they're optioned. They can't come back up until the 24th. Uh, so it's just a weird situation, and they're both not pitching for the Indians. Adam Plutko is now, and it's it's hard to see how those two. I, I think please that can eventually come back. I, I, it's hard to see how Clevenger does it with all the lying he did, and then just sticking around the team like that, knowing he could have potentially been exposed to stuff. So I have a lot of idle thoughts about this too. Just stupid garbage <laughs> pops in my head. What kind of car did he rent? Was the first one that came in my head. Yeah, why well, is everybody so, renting cars? Isn't that isn't yeah, that kind I, of a bad thing? So to do? like I you know we want to go up and see my parents up in Connecticut. Uh, we we usually rent a car and drive up, but like we're we're, we're wondering like what happens when you rent the car? Are they cleaning it? What's the deal right, with yeah. any of this crap? So that was a thought. Second thought. What is it with people recording videos on their phone in their car? <laughs> right. Why did this become a because this is a medium. This is a thing. And typically, Matt, it revolves around someone yelling about the media or the liberal elite or a third thing. You know, like it's one of the wholesome version is recording fast food. That's the good one. Okay. That's, that's when you review Taco one. Bell that's, in your car. See, that's fair. <laughs> because who the hell in all honesty, with any logic in, in your brain, buys fast food and then drives anywhere except to the parking park spot <laughs> right over there. To meet. I mean, like when I was in college, we do that sometimes, but it's because we bought 25 of those rodeo cheeseburgers at the Burger King head, and we had to go home and eat them. Uh, you can't do that in the car. It's disgusting. Otherwise, now you park in your car, you prop up your phone, watch a video, and then eat your food. It's great. Exactly. It's a normal American activity. You know what? It's not a thing you do in other countries, but listen, we're a car-centric country. And maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's because we're so car-centric. But anyway, um, yeah, totally boneheaded. It's really stupid. Lame as hell. And I just – the fact that he was – clever, you're just like, yeah, during the whole – like, I'm assuming there was some sort of pseudo group thing where like, hey, Zach, you got to leave, man. And then, uh, you know, I'm just going like, yeah, it's fucked. What are you doing, though? You do that, man. Dude, bro, what are you doing (laughs) even? Like, come on. What? Get out of here. How could even really? What? So (laughs) Zachary, how could you? And he's just like, you know, I mean, and he just, just, I don't don't know. Doing things like that is just really lame, I guess. And just like, I don't know, it sucks. And for a team, for a game that in, in... in a normal season, it's again you don't want to be mad when your club mate, uh, your your bunkhouse mates in uh in summer camp, and then even now it's even more like condensed. So yeah, it just sucks. And like you wonder, like I know you mentioned, it's like what what does the going forward look like? Like I guess the one bonus to this is it wasn't like I don't know a, 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 in a in, on a team where things are much more reliant on one p- cog in the wheel performing with all the other ones like at least it's a very you know individualized game and you know Clevenger still has to go out there and perform um individually for himself he doesn't have to be friendly with everybody I mean whatever but we'll be in his head we'll be we saw I think we saw how it impacted the team as a whole again in the short Cubs series they just they didn't seem very focused obviously Plutko was um not able to I think prepare for a start I think he performed okay but he just wasn't able to warm up and being that mental space, knowing it was coming. And he's, I think he's always been kind of a professional in that way, being able to just kind of jump in when needed, which, you know, I mean, you remember talking about guys like Corey Kluber, who very regimented and how they, 
prepared every single day. Same thing we got like Trevor Bauer. You know, typically starters have a very ordered set of moves, and so a guy like Klitko having to do it, but it just sucks. It imp- it impacts the entire team because the one thing, and I, I think I tweeted about this, the one thing that the or maybe we we're just talking about on Slack. I don't know, but like the one thing that this team, the thing that's going to make it compete, make it a contender in any stretch of the imagination of what that might mean is the starting rotation. And to have 40% of that be gone for two weeks and to act like total boneheads. I mean, a part of me almost wants to throw out the Plezak thing because he's young, I guess. Um, and I don't know. I mean, people are stupid generally a lot of times. But it just sucks. And it's terrible for the team because now they're like, what, are they just going to go with a four-man rotation until the 24th? I don't even know. Like, that means Plutko's going to get at least – at least one more start. And again, not to dog on him, but I'd prefer to have Zach Plezak over Adam Plutko. I'd, I'd prefer to have whatever percentage of Clevenger we're getting right now over Adam Plutko. That's the whole, you know, that's the, that's the whole thing here. So I don't know. It just, it sucks because this is the kind of boneheadery that the Indians of all the things they're not good at doing. The one thing they're good at doing is having a good structure of a team and focus. And they've been heralded for being a team who's very, been very good so far at this whole you know, dealing with a global pandemic thing, which is not easy because it sounds like it's not easy because it is not easy. So, yeah. I feel like on a lot of teams, this wouldn't have either been as public or maybe not public at all. Or when they came back, they would have just been forgiven right away. But I think, I feel like the Indians more than a lot of teams value the clubhouse chemistry. Like they, they will dump your ass if you're not getting along with the team. Like the Onus Martin, Francisco Lindor yelled at him oh, the next day. He's gone. Right on the curb. Yeah. yeah Nick well, Swisher annoyed the hell out of everybody. But, yeah. They eventually yeah. just traded him. So. Yeah. I mean, there are other reasons we're trading Swisher, but I think part of it was probably that he was just a nuisance and nobody liked him. But I, I feel like the Indians are, they're very sensitive to that they have, they sign these guys that are just clubhouse guys. Sometimes they hit really well, like Mike Dapley, but other times they're just there to, to be the clubhouse leadership that the Indians value. Sometimes, so sometimes they're Juan Uribe because they see that's going to have an impact on other, on, on young players that they have hopes for. So yeah, exactly. So yeah, I don't know. It's, I, I guess the biggest thing now is, I mean, do we see one or both of them in an in Indian's uniform again. I think there was a discussion before any of this happened that the idea of trading Clevenger wasn't completely insane because he's, I mean, like you said, please ask a kid basically still, but like Clevenger's almost a 30-year-old, to quote Adam Plutko, grown-ass man. <laughs> so he's he's coming up on it. I mean, we, we mentioned earlier he's got some some injury issues. He's um, he's coming up at the end of his contract in just a couple of years. He's still, I think 2023 is when he's a free agent, so he's still got, I mean, this is a good time if you're going to trade him to when you get a full rotation, you get quite a bit because of all the control left. I, I don't know. I think I think between the both of them, please, Zach Stoller is going to stick around just because um, I think the strides he's made between last year and this year are real. I think he's he's worked on tunneling so much that – and just the fact that he is younger and has so much control left, I think they'd, they'd stick with him more than Clevenger, but I don't know. I don't, I don't think both of them are going to be traded. I don't think it's that likely that either one of them are no, going to be traded No, I don't – I mean, the thing, the thing is, you know, it's, it's – I mean – it's still a results-based business, like, and it's still a business, quite honestly. You can have assholes in a business as long as they're doing something correctly, you know? I mean, what's his name? You know, I mean, guys like, I don't know, Gary Sheffield always seemed like kind of a mean person. I don't know if he actually knows. <laughs> people seem kind to... of a jerk who hit the ball really good. Exactly. You I know, mean, Albert Bell's like, a good example. He's right. Albert Bell's, like, you know, that's a much more perfect example. Albert Bell or, like, Alex Rodriguez, people who just, like, were, like, generally reviled by a lot of people, but like they were really good. And so it's like, well, we need to have them around. Good thing that it's a individualized sport. Um, That said, I mean, I don't know why the Indians haven't traded one of these guys. I know they, they've done this already. They, they did it once 
last year and they got um Fran Mil Reyes back for it. Right? That was yeah, uh, the, that, well, yeah. that was the Bauer deal. Uh, I mean, they guys tried to, too. I mean, they didn't get the playoffs, yeah, exactly. but that's what they got from. I mean, they tried to do the thing I was talking about a few minutes ago, getting the guy who can throw a hundred miles an hour. Uh, that guy happened to use a banned substance uh, when they traded away the Corey Kluber, you know? So uh, they continue to be in a position of strength because they found another ace. Uh, they still do have Aaron Savale, who looks great and is still very, you know, he has exactly the same point of, in his career as Plezak. They still do have Carrasco for a few more years, who, if he's your third best pitcher, you are in a great situation. And then I, they're not going to trade Plezak. Plezak's going absolutely nowhere. He's on a, you know, he's one and a half years or whatever. He's, I mean, even if he's okay, he's, he's still your fourth best pitcher. That's awesome. Even if but you I just let every player come into the clubhouse every morning and just throw peanuts at him. For, for yeah, exactly. No, I mean, he'll, he'll figure it out. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean, I just—I mean, I, I would be—I would be unsurprised. I don't—I wouldn't like them to trade Mike Clevenger, but again, like notwithstanding how how much they just brutalized the Tigers the last couple of days, they need offensive help, and that is the number one way where they can find it is in trading a guy who's a, you know, a a, a dark horse Cy Young kind of a guy who, if he puts it all together over two hundred innings in a, on a, in a full season, could win a Cy Young. I mean, that's the thing. He's that good. He's when he's when he's going. He's I think even with all the injury issues, he's been. He's a top fifteen or twenty pitcher in all of baseball over the last couple of years. So, and I think the idea that all this has impacted his trade value is a joke. <laughs> like people have said, like, uh, what, what are they even going to say if somebody calls them and says, like, "Oh, you got to trade him. He he was bad," and the, and you'll just say, "No, he's he's going to." He was a bad boy. <laughs> you got to give him to me for I have a I have you know I have a guy who hits one eighty. Yeah, you <laughs> want that, don't you? Come you on, no, I don't I, yeah, on. I don't think it, it changes anything at all if, if they were talking about trading no, because. Well, you may say, okay, we'll keep them. Who cares? That's our leverage. We'll keep the Cy Young candidate pitcher. You keep your garbage. Well, I mean, you made the point yourself. I mean, it's just, it's not every team would probably have made this as public or made the same, made the same series of decisions. They would have papered over it, ignored it, and just been like, guys, don't do this with literally, come on. So, um, well, I don't see why another team would not just look at even now it, with him kind of come back in injury being like, I, I I don't think they should do it for that one reason. He hasn't been performing as well as, as in the past. Like for the same reason, I don't think they should have traded Corey Kluber um, at that time. They did anyway. So whatever. But um, I, I mean, they won that trade no matter what happens now. Lionel Shields got on base. They win. That's so. actually very true. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> he actually helped win the game for see? them. So, you know I mean, what? Never mind. Corey Kluber yeah. win for the Rangers, Merritt. Checkmate. That's a wins above replacement of one already. That's how that set works, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. And that's the way it goes. If you score the winning run, one war. So there you go. But uh, no, it just sucks because it's. Just, I was. I, I did a radio spot last week for 106.5, I think. Jeez, in do you do one of these every week? Yeah. Just come on and brag to me about. I was on the radio. And I'm on your shit podcast. <laughs> well, I like I like it because I'm gu- I guarantee you that the listener base is. If there were a Venn diagram, there's a huge space between the two. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I just. I got, oh fuck! No, I lost my train of thought. Shit. Sorry. Excuse me. Uh, I got nothing. I don't know. Whatever. Um, yeah, never mind. I left my train of thought. Perfect. Oh well, <laughs> you're on a radio spot. It's all that matters. Yeah, you know. Uh, what were you even talking about? Zach, please, Zach. Mike Clevenger. Everybody sucks. Trash boys. All of them. Trading them. I don't know. I, mean, I got nothing. Trading, I've right? lost it. I've completely lost where I was going. With it, so that's great. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> I, said, I remember like the last three podcasts. Like I was on radio spot. And I thought, 
Awesome. Well, you know, again, you know, this one guy likes to talk to me. So he, brings me on. <laughs> he says it's a radio show. We just call and he talks. I don't, I've never heard of radio. He could be this cool guy. I don't know. You know, he just wants to hear my voice. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, one person is not being traded. Uh, well, I don't know, maybe actually, but uh, Carlos Santana <laughs> is drawing a ton of freaking walks, man. He's not doing much else. I mean, you think he had a double over the weekend, but. Man, he is walking a ton. Uh, Mike Schlichting wrote about wrote about it on uh, Let's Go Tribe, and then uh, conspicuously, Ben Clemens. I'm watching you on uh, Fangraphs. Mm. A day later, wrote about it. He also so in Matt's title, it was Carlos Santana's ludicrous walk rate, and Ben Clemens used the word ludicrous in his article. So I'm going to sue his ass. But but no, I think I, I don't Thanks, think it's leader. that crazy that he saw that <laughs> and picked up on it. I, I don't know, but they both wrote about it. It was really interesting. They both had, I, I think they both basically same, came to the same conclusion that it's it's happening, but it's not necessarily anything that Carlos Santana is doing. Because even if you look at his pitch charts, they are, I don't get it. It's not like Carlos, at one point, Santana might have been the best hitter in the lineup by a little bit just because everybody else was struggling, but he's not to the point where you throw the ball. Like there were times where he wouldn't see a single pitch in an at-bat. Like, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Who is behind him that you're that, okay with doing that to Carlos Santana. It's not like he's Mike Trout in the middle of a bunch of 180 hitters. So I don't know. I think it's just, it might've just been a weird fluke over a little bit. And the fact that Carlos Santana is really patient, but he's got like a 30% walk rate. He's not swinging on first pitches. He's he's doing all this stuff that is just coinciding to lead to a gigantic spike in walks, which is just fun. <laughs> I mean, I guess walks aren't historically a very fun thing to watch, but it's fun when Carlos Santana is doing it this much, just because I love Carlos and, it's just one thing he does really well. And I also think it's worth mentioning that, like, this happening this year, I haven't seen many people get on him too much about it. But if this happened, like, I don't know, four or five years ago, it would have been – it was already intolerable listening to people talk about Carlos Santana because he didn't hit 30 home runs. Mm-hmm. I, I did at one point. But he did, he's not hitting 40 home runs and he walked a lot. But I think this year most people realize how valuable it is now. It, it's just crazy how, like, fast the um, the thought process of most baseball fans has changed to realize that walking this much is pretty valuable. Maybe not – as much as he is without doing anything else, but he's he's doing what he's doing just because he's taking the pitches that he's getting, which is nothing essentially. And and now he's he's trying his hardest to get to those hundred walks that Terry Francona jokingly mentioned about before the season that he he would get to if it wasn't a sixty game season. But we'll see. I mean, do you have any thoughts on just how how wild Carlos Santana is is not doing anything, but also doing everything at the same time? I just don't see why he can't get to 100 points. <laughs> it seemed impossible at one point, but not so much. I mean, all right, so he didn't pull any walks today, um, so that sucks. But, I mean, it's – I don't know. It's really stupid is what it is. It's not in a bad way. Just like, what is happening? It was, it's every every single one of his at-bats is confusing to me because I don't know why they don't – because he – I don't know. I, I was looking at his, num- his numbers yesterday and then again today trying to figure out like if he's doing something – that's making him worried about swinging the bat, but like nothing. In, and the thing is he has almost no batted ball profile this year because he doesn't swing the damn bat. <laughs> right. So just, there's no strike. There's no, like, uh, what is, what yeah. is happening? I don't know. It's just, again, he has a 30% walk rate. Like he's walking at a rate like Barry Bonds did when he walked, when he was intentionally walked a hundred and whatever, 27 times or something like that, that year. So I don't know. I don't understand how to wrap my head around it. He's still getting on base forty three percent of the time, almost. So who cares? Like, but like, if I just, I think it would be hilarious if he, if he, if he, if he finished the season hitting one seventy seven with forty five percent on base percentage, and everyone's like, "Yep, there you go. This is the strangest thing that could conceivably happen in this weird shortened season." Like everyone talked about, 
having odd like outliers like someone hitting 400 or an ERA under 150 for a starter or something like that. But this is stupid. This is like ridiculous. And one has to think it's going to turn around, but I don't know. Like you said, it's cool that people don't care about it anymore. In fact, they're happy about it, especially now that like Reyes is starting to hit. Like this is great. This is turning into a really neat little kind of a one-two punch where uh, Santana just pisses off whoever's pitching by just not swinging. Just no. Oh, oh, a borderline slider. No. <laughs> no yeah, I don't I think decline. so, actually. <laughs> uh, I will say, uh, I, I don't know, and just in general with the offensive, often turning around, maybe it'll start to turn. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he'll start swinging the bat more. Maybe he'll start seeing more pitches in the zone. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Or maybe he'll just continue to be patient, and then we'll, we'll see a friend Mel Reyes set a record for exact for two-run home runs specifically this year. He'll hit like 14 two-run run home runs, and – no one will ever have ever hit that many in a single season. I don't know if that's true or not. I haven't ever looked at the numbers. I'm going to do that right now. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, my, cool stuff. I love it, and I don't know. I don't. I don't know what to think of it. I don't know how to think about it. Nothing he's doing is special um, or right, and it's not like he's facing bad pitching necessarily. He's just, yeah, I don't know. Very weird. And, and if he is, it's only bad pitching against him, which is the craziest thing. Like it, it looked. One of my favorite pitch charts ever to this point. Um, if you follow Twitter.com, so let's, let's go check. Go there and follow me. But um, it was two days ago against the Tigers on Friday. Like you can see, <laughs> if you take the strike zone and moved it on the the chart over like I don't know four inches, you can put a new strike zone and hit the corner of every part of the strike zone. But it's mm-hmm. like a foot off the plate to the left. There's one strike in the whole at bat, and then in that whole game, you had one strike down the middle of the field or the middle of the plate. Yeah, where are they? Like, is like he, ten like, over there. <laughs> I've been reading a lot of Conan the Barbarian stories again, as I'm wont to do when I get bored. I'm just wondering if he's like mesmerizing them with some sort of ancient <laughs> wizardry. He's just like tricking them with his eyes. He's like, ooh. <laughs> That's got to be what it is. Cause I mean... Other Carlos Santana wrote a song called Black Magic Woman. Maybe he's using some sort of sinister uh, wiz- wizardry to trick there them. You go. So there you go. Because you, know, <laughs> you can even look like what against is? the White Sox um, a week ago. Uh, Bo Taylor was also in the lineup, which is unfortunate, but he had, like, obviously these pitchers can, they know what a strike zone looks like because you look at his chart and it's like every pitch is right over the plate because they want to attack him, but Carlos Santana is nothing, so I don't know. Like you said, there's nothing he's doing, but pitchers are just pitching him so weird, which which that was the basis of Ben Clemens' article that you can look at this and say that he's obviously the best walker and best pitch taker of all time because of this little bit, but it's like, just because a bunch a- of weird things converging at once. An incredible sense of his strike zone that I think is, I mean, it's it's so wild that he's able to do this because it doesn't make any sense. It continues to make any sense. I'm now looking at Barry Bonds' stats because it's one of the things you end up doing eventually when you're on a podcast. 232 walks one year, you know, like, goddamn, what's going on? 120 uh, in an intentional. So, you know, that was his last MVP year, sadly. 609 on base percentage. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. <laughs> damn. Some would say that's, that's pretty good. Some would say um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a sharp number there. So, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, every Sunday, we ask everybody on Twitter and Facebook for their questions so we can take them and answer them. Early on Sunday morning, we do this. Every early Sunday morning, nobody ever forgets and waits until two hours before we record and gets very few questions, but some of them remain good. <laughs> First is obviously um, at Chris D. Davies, our own Chris Davies, who writes Let's Go Tribe. He wants to know how many hot dogs can Merritt eat in one sitting. Merritt, this is very important to me. It is. Um, me also. There, we, we, talked to, we briefly talked about it for the podcast. So there are several caveats that go into this. Sure. 
Now, here's the thing. One, I am not a. Com- I don't compete. All right, I'm not here to try and win an award. I'm here to enjoy the delicious American culinary treat known as the hot dog. So that means it's going to be on a bun, probably a store bought bun, a uh, store brand bun, even. Uh, and it could have anything on it. Uh, relish. Uh, I mean, if we're talking like Chicago dogs, the number goes down precipitously because of all that shit on top of them. But if we're just talking like me hanging out at a, you know, by, by the grill, I'm going out of town next week to to like a little like a, like a, like a house on, by the water. So I'm going to eat a lot of hot dogs then. So maybe I can find out. But um, basically what I'm saying is I could probably eat in a single sitting. 12 hot dogs? I mean, I, mean, I don't even know. Like, that's the thing. Like, down. I eat them so quickly. Like, I can eat a hot dog. Like, if I'm trying to eat a hot dog quickly, I can eat one in like like 15 seconds. If I'm just casually eating a hot dog, it's still gone in like a minute. Is the thing because I'm like chomp, yum, 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 chomp, yum, yum, and it's gone. Like that's the thing. It's like three bites. So, especially like those cheap uh, stadium dogs that are like steamed and they're all shriveled up and sort of wet. Those you could just pound all day. Oh, they, they oh, hundred percent. Oh, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. If, I, if I'm if at the ballpark, it doesn't even. It's, it's over, man. I will say I don't like those big like. Because, like, you know, there'll be places that push, like, oh, we have a one pound or like a quarter pound hot dog. Those are actually gross. I just think it's a bit much. But your typical, like, you know, like uh, Ballpark Frank or whatever, Nathan's, yeah, I'll just crush those. Just, just, just bang, 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 firing them down, you know? So, uh, <laughs> I hope you yeah. do it when you're out this weekend and I ask what for. I think I will. I think I'm going, to eat, I'm going to eat a shitload of hot dogs next week <laughs> and, get, and just get like nitrate poisoning or whatever. <laughs> Hell You're yeah. in a lake. Just throw up right in the lake. It's fine. So my guess is that's a Chesapeake Bay, so it would all go out to the ocean. So it's perfect. Uh, I would say my guess is 12. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm going to find out. And then I'll report back. <laughs> Either you'll report back or you won't, and we'll know the answer was not yeah, 12. Well, it turns, it turns out <laughs> that much sodium. <laughs> we now know the number that kills a man as far as sodium intake. All right. That's good. There you go. Uh, so thanks, Chris. Our next yeah, also, one. yeah, what's a sitting? Is the other, yeah, that's the thing we need to talk right, about. Yeah, like, can you sit and then? There's no time limit. Uh, like, am I? It, is it me hanging out at a cookout? Because if we're talking like three hours, oh man, come that's, on, we're getting uh, like we're getting high numbers here, and like we're getting that's multiple batches off the grill where where I'm still getting I'm getting like I'm continuing to get hot hot dogs with a nice little char on them. Shit, man, that's a lot. That's a lot of hot dogs. Um, so our next one is from at my name's Moses. Yeah, so is there any chance we see Tristan McKenzie this season? They plan on sticking to a four-man rotation. I don't think keeping, keeping Plutko in that fourth spot is a great option. Um, I think they're going to keep Plutko in the fourth spot. I don't oh, think no, they have to. Um, that's going to be changed. Yeah, but I, I think if I think it's interesting. I th- uh, Chris Antonetti has mentioned that Tristan McKenzie is throwing and he looks good. Um, he obviously missed all of last year. I think without the injuries, he would be up already. He'd be somewhere in the rotation. Um, I think it'd be a ballsy-ass move to bring him up this year without having him go to AAA at all. I think they'd probably prefer that he sees some AAA pitching and make sure he doesn't just fall apart and disintegrate on the mound. But I don't know if, um, I guess it depends because Plezak and Clevenger, I'm assuming they're not going to be traded. If they come back, like you have a full rotation, you're fine. But in the meantime, like, do you bring McKenzie up? Do you just wait? Is he the next one even in line? Um, Cause I wrote about that. The Indians, they could survive without Clevenger if they really wanted to. I mean, there's uh, Logan Allen. We saw a little bit of, he has his own struggle, but there's Scott Moss. There's, there's a bunch of people they can just throw in front of McKenzie if they want to, protect him for another year and wait until he can work out somewhere else. But if they don't, uh, it's not terrible. He's, I would want to see him in the majors just because how exciting he is. And it's his, I, I think a curveball was his big thing in the minors, which is just ridiculous. So uh, I want to so see him. weird. 
an Indian with a good curveball. Right. right? <laughs> Nobody ever said uh, that before. That's wild. Uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Again, we don't know. I mean, it's possible. I, the thing is, that with the league not cutting down the um, rosters more than to 28, I think, right? I think it's a great chance of us to see a bullpen day coming up soon or later. Um, just because now you have way more guys, way more pitchers, so they can just they can just start rolling, which I think opens the slot up, oddly enough, for McKenzie because they could send him out there for three innings or two innings or just one inning and start you know, kind of get, let him get his feet wet. Maybe in this week, who knows? Against the tiger against the Tigers or the Pirates, like you said, I don't even know if he's like kind of the next man up situation here. Uh, you mentioned Allen, you mentioned Moss, so I think it's a it's a good chance just because of how big the rosters are now and the fact that this whole stupid thing happened. Attrition has to happen eventually, but. Yeah, I wish we could be watching him in AAA right now just to see what he actually looks like. It's right, exactly. It's at least encouraging to hear that he's throwing and looks he looks good. I've heard his velocity before he started just getting constantly injured, starting to go up just because he's getting bulk and getting a little older. So um, I'm really excited to see him when he does come up. So thanks for the question. I, it's, I mean, he won't be thought. good because the Indians don't do good pitchers we know about. They pull guys out of their ass. So <laughs> right, yeah. come on, yeah, we know him too well. He's obviously going to be bad. Who's the number three starter last year on the Clippers or on the on the Rubber Ducks? That guy is going to be the next ace. So there you go. Uh, so our next one is from at Glenn Longwell eighty nine. He asked, "How big of a crater crater in the earth will Fran Mel Reyes' home run make when it lands?" I think that's pretty gigantic. Is I think the right word? He destroyed a bush today. Uh, he should have. I don't know what is that bush how, made of, man. How big was that crater that made that big or that asteroid that made that big crater out in Arizona? Uh, cause that probably wasn't that big, right? Whatever that is, times two, maybe. Yeah, maybe time. Yeah, exactly. So I would say conservatively, a hundred feet wide is how big the crater <laughs> would take. be. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, roughly. I'm, I'm I mean, not, this I'm, is all hypothetical. It's not going to land. I mean, it's already no. It, it has it, achieved it destroyed the orbit. Yeah, yeah. The car that SpaceX launched it already reached it and blew it up. It, well, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's actually going to go and bonk some, but. I was playing Doom Eternal, and there's a mission there where you have to shoot a <laughs> hole in Mars, and basically that's what's happening. It's just going to hit Mars and blast a hole in it, unveiling a, a portal to hell. So that's what's actually going to happen. So there you go. A big crater is what I'm saying. Too, too far out of a baseball here, but I didn't like Doom Eternal. I didn't like it at all. Oh, really? Well, you're wrong. Yeah. It gives me a heart attack every time I play it, and I can only play it for about 45 minutes because I get too stressed <laughs> out. But I love I, it. I love Doom 2016, but like the the rock paper scissorsness of Eternal was just too much. It was I like I, I like 2016 because it was simple and it was shooting demons. It took me a little bit of time to get used to it, and there's a couple of the de- demons that I just do not like fighting. <laughs> but um, generally, I I'm, I've I've uh, it's, it's kind of grown on me. It's um, I'm liking it. I don't no, know, if there was a mob that could be Fran Mel Reyes, then maybe I'm just be hitting cool. people with your baseball bat. Hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bonk, bonk. <laughs> Did you see at one point in, um, I think it was Fallout 4, somebody modded in David Ortiz because it took place in Boston? I mean, that was quickly taken down by MLB, but that was a really cool one. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, And then Glenn had another question. His number two was, is our offense actually awake or was it just the Tigers effect? Um, I I think we sort of mentioned earlier about just Francisco Lindor's general awakening over the weekend. It's it's one of those things where you're supposed to do it. If you do it, everybody says you're supposed to. If you don't, you look terrible. But Mm -hmm. I guess maybe a little bit of it is facing this god-awful team, but also maybe that's enough to carry you forward and everybody's happy now. So they're not going to be exactly facing great teams going forward, so we won't know for a while if it's actually they're this good. But yeah, they play the Pirates next, I think, and then the Tigers again. So we'll see. But it's good. It's not a bad thing that they destroyed the Tigers, by any means. Right. Again, they're winning against the I don't know. I mentioned it before. Like, uh, like having someone like Naquin back, 
it's a positive. I think he hits. I think he will. He's one of the better hitters in the outfield, which isn't saying a lot, but it's he doesn't suck. Yeah. Uh, and then I, th- I think Domingo Santana is starting to put it together. You know, he's, he's been having a few good games. He, um, again, I don't think he's going to be some earth shattering guy, but he's a, one who's hard to read because he had a bit of a downturn in offense last year when he was playing, he was playing again on the West coast so much. And so many of those parks are just horrible for hitters. Um, and the pitching went in the places that are good for hitters is, you know, it was the Astros basically. So that's hard to hit there as well. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I think so. I, it, it has to trend in a positive direction in some way. Um, just like the pitching has to trend a little bit worse. Maybe, I don't know though. Cause like you'll get their advanced numbers and they're just as good. Like, they, like they're number two in ERA with their number one in fielding independent pitching. Like, so I don't know. I, I think so. I think things will probably be better going down. Um, like I was saying earlier, it's just, everything is so magnified. If a guy has a bad four games, then you're like, season's over man offense is garbage and so it's just it sucks because one single thing can have such an impact but i think i think they'll be better going forward what that looks like is it averaging four runs a game that would be cool which sucks but you know that's, that's <laughs> yeah, that'd be a little again better. that's a win that, that the thing is they're only giving up two so boom yeah but yeah um that's gonna do it for this week uh, if you are uh, i was assuming if you're listening now if you're subscribed on itunes spotify whatever if you're not go ahead and do that leave us a review on any one of them We'll check yeah, a good review specifically on the show. Yeah, I mean either one, it's fine. Uh, no, <laughs> if you're, only good reviews. If you haven't uh, followed us on Twitter and Facebook, we're there. Let's go tribe. I don't think we're anywhere else. Everything else is unofficial. Bootleg versions of Let's Go Tribe. Hell Those yeah. are the only two. Um, soon we're gonna have a Discord, which is cool, um, which is purely community made. Um, Pyro cynical on anybody who's on Let's Go Tribe has seen him around. He's using the game threads. He made a, a little Discord for us so everybody can talk there. In real time, instead of whatever comment system is coming to SB Nation, which doesn't look great. Um, but yeah, if you're on the podcast, subscribe to it, and we will talk to you next week. So, see you then, Mary. See ya.